0: You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Okay, so have you, have you ever been naked in a refrigerator? <laughs> <laughs> ah, hello, and thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live via, via the internet. I'm your old pal, Sanders.
1: I'm your good buddy Liv.
0: And if you are keeping score, this is episode 136, the Whippin' Post edition. Tied to the Whippin' Post. R.I.P. Greg Allman, right? A melancholy, Happy Trails. To, uh, to Greg Allman, founding member of, uh, well, founding member of the Allman Brothers. Yep. I really thought
1: we'd send this dedication to the late, great uh, Manuel Noriega, but I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh,
0: I, I, I had to do some soul searching on that one and I decided to go with with, with Greg Allman for, for personal reasons. <laughs> okay. I, um... I I can't believe. Well, one I'm a little amazed that that Greg Olman lived that long, right? Yeah, he he did not have a a, a very uh, a clean living was not was not on his mantle. Although probably over the last few years, um, I'd imagine after he got a liver transplant, probably about ten years ago or so. I'd hope, right? That he Yeah. That it was off the booze and off the off the sauce and off the drugs and, you know, living pretty clean. But he, he lived pretty hard for, well, of course. for a bunch of years. I
1: mean that's how you do it. I mean that's why he died
0: sixty nine, you know, because he was all fucked up from years and years of that stuff. I was also surprised that he had gotten a liver transplant originally because it doesn't seem like that a you know a hard-charging rocker would be very high on a transplant list.
1: Well, you remember they gave Larry Hagman one, and he was a big alky. Mickey Mantle got one; and he was a pretty big alky.
0: Yeah, I guess that's how it works. Yeah, huh? yeah. You know, and I'm not begrudging him. You know, but good for him. Yeah. You know, it's not like I, you know, I, I have any information that it should have gone to. You know, some 12-year-old girl in Michigan. Yeah.
1: They were showing but, on CBS Sunday Morning. And I remember watching the original one because it was only like five or six years ago when they did a profile of him. But they were showing clips of that the other day on there since he passed away on Saturday. And um interesting thing, they were talking about Dwayne, you know, because they, they were showing the road where Dwayne died on the motorcycle. You know, and Dwayne was seemed like he was even a crazier bastard you know oh yeah 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 greg was like dwayne i only knew two speeds to his motorcycle because you know he hit a truck or something he smashed into a truck or some bullshit like that because he was going so fucking fast he's like 100 miles per hour or parked you know it's like i don't know think about how fucked up that dude probably was because that was like 40 something years ago when he friggin did that shit you know
0: (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't around very long. Yeah,
1: that was, like, in the 70s, you know, when he friggin, smet, friggin' killed himself, you know? So it's like, ah, it's sort of like that type of thing with, like, those rockers. It's like, if you can make it past those critical years of, like, the 20s into your early 30s, you'll live for a little bit, you know?
0: Well, I mean, think about... Think about- all the bad decisions you've made yeah. in your life, right? I would say 80% of them are concentrated between the ages of, you know, 18 and 25.
1: Yeah, when you feel invincible. Exactly,
0: right? Yep. And you've got access to a little bit of money. Yep. You've got access to a little bit of freedom and you got access to uh, booze. Yeah. Because you right. see all these guys and that in, don't
1: die young like that? like, who lived, you know, because what's it, rock stars die at 27 generally, is the rule. Yes. You know, and then, yeah. like, Keith Richardson died, and now he's fucking 70-something years old, you know? Right. And, like, David Crosby, nothing killed him, and now he's alive. But it's like, if you can make right. it past those critical friggin' years of yeah. celebrity when, like, you're hot, because the other side of it is, even though the Rolling Stones were torn forever, you know, generally, you know, your biggest success, like the shit people really want to buy and listen to is all the stuff that's made between like, you know, your twenties to your late thirties, you know, like even though yeah. Rolling Stones keep making albums for the past 30 years, who friggin' remembers too many songs off any of those albums?
0: Right. I, for, for my purposes, uh, it ends with exile on main street, you know? Yeah. 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 Like anything after that, now I'm probably speaking out of turn because there's probably a couple good albums after Exile on Main Street but yeah.
1: um, I that's it songs from those other ones but it's still not it's none of them are like when you turn on like the radio station and they're like playing the constant Rolling Stones hits they're not pulling out like um, Rock in a Hard Place from the Steel Wheels friggin album or whatever you know Right. You know, the, even though I remember that one because it was a big deal when they went back on the Steel Wheels tour because they hadn't toured in years at that point, that's not the shit they're pulling out on. Like, we're gonna play some classic Stones, and here's a hit from nineteen eighty-eight <laughs> or whatever. You
0: know. Yeah, I'm trying to find their discography. Uh let's see. Timeline discography. All right. So, studio albums. Um, so really kind of their heyday was from 67, yeah, 67 to 73, yeah. so that's the Satanic Majesty's Request, that's got a couple songs you would know. And they even
1: some stuff in the early 80s, you know, like Waiting on a they Friend did. is like 81, right? Isn't that like...
0: Uh, Tattoo You yeah. Um, is Waiting on a Friend, right, that's got Start Me Up. Yeah. Waiting on a friend, but like they're real. The meat. Yeah, but I'm saying that's the last their- hurrah.
1: Is 81 as far as being culturally relevant, you know?
0: Yeah, undercover um, was after that. That didn't have anything. Dirty work was they did. Oh, the Harlem Shuffle, right? So they went like uh, which is a cover, like 80s uh, 80s pop synth. Yeah. All right, that was that album, and then right, Steel Wheels, Voodoo Lounge, Bridges to Babylon, those were all like at that '89, '94. They're wheeling out old men.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Because you know? I remember the joke about
1: Steel Wheels, the Steel Wheelchairs tour. You know.
0: Right. Right.
1: But it's like, but like they make the album to like justify the tour, but no one fucking gives a damn about that album. You're going to the tour just to. See- listen to them play their greatest hits
0: right so at that point they are let's see so jagger is born in 43 so when they come out with when they come out Still was With, 20, 45, 46 years old. Yeah. So by that point, their heyday, they were in their 20s, early 20s, mid-20s, into their 30s. By the time they get out of that, you're middle-aged men, essentially, right? Yep. You're going into your late 30s. You don't, need, uh, you don't need as much guidance, but you also have more guidance.
1: Yeah. And the funny thing is you know, about this is just now when they – I don't know anything about the band Train. But as far as I know, Train's like kind of a recent phenomenon, like in the last decade. And that guy came out to be the lead singer. And I haven't looked this up, but, uh, but I was looking at him and I was like, for a band that's like currently like kind of popular, who I'd never heard of before this century, you know, much less years into this century, he looks fucking old. And that surprised me.
0: How old... Uh- how old is he? Who is he? Patrick Monahan.
1: Yes, that
0: guy. He's forty-eight. Okay. <laughs> All right. He's forty-eight. So I was
1: expecting like to be my age, but he's fucking. He's almost like my. He's almost as old as my brother Chris, who's fucking ten years older than me. You know.
0: And his. So let's see. So train. Came out so he's got a studio album. So train uh nineteen ninety so Drops of Jupiter is their big song. Right? You would remember that song I if you heard it. I heard it. it, yeah. Um I
1: mean formation, I'm looking at a Wikipedia page. Formation nineteen ninety three, ninety seven. So like that dude was already in his mid twenties when nineteen ninety three rolls around. He's twenty five, you know. Yeah. All right, so it's two thousand one, yeah. two thousand
0: two is when they really hit it big, huh? That was in like, you know, the post grunge, soft rock, hard pop, yeah, kind of era. Who else? I never that, uh... see. That's
1: how far off the radar I am. I would have. I mean, I might have heard the song like being in a bar, like being it working the door at. Poor house, which is how I only how I knew of a lot of people, like Franz Ferdinand and shit like that, you know.
0: Yeah. Killers
1: yeah. was from being in a bar, that's playing the current music for kids, uh, whatever's popular. But I didn't, yeah, It
0: was big bar, big bar music.
1: Yeah, but I didn't even know a train. But even that, you know, you're talking about getting your first big success in your thirties, which is rare too, because not too many guys, you know. Usually, if you haven't made it by like. 30 at all as a musical act you're kind of fucked you know rarely obviously there're exceptions to the rule but it's not generally there you know that's why there're exceptions cuz it's not the way it works cuz you know it's all you know record companies want young people you know they young yeah. faces
0: well when uh when the carousel guys came back from carousel and we're looking for their next big venture. Uh, Kurt decided to get into the music business. Yeah. And he...
1: Kurt's been in all um, kinds of businesses, huh? <laughs>
0: and uh, one the of them might be fitness successful.
1: Infomercial gig. F-
0: f- fitness infomercial gig? Fitness infomercial. He was in the music business. He was in some uh, direct marketing, some online... <sighs> Uh, marketing. He's been around. You can
1: tell the guy that really scored by all the businesses, all the different businesses he opted
0: to. All the different failed businesses. Exactly. I didn't that he's launched. He's so cruel, but yes. I think that's an objective standard. <laughs> well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not but it's better for you to aspersions. say. Than me. <laughs> 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 um, he's on to something now. He is in the marijuana game. He's in the marijuana game. I don't know how he's attempting to monetize it, but he purchased marijuana.net, I believe. Okay. And I think the idea is to make it like an online dispensary network. Okay, so he's hoping for like, friggin'. this is the long game here.
1: Yeah, like like you gotta national wait till it's completely legal at the federal level and everything there Considering interstate yeah, commerce laws and shit, you know.
0: Yeah, so I don't, I don't remember exactly what the site was. I thought it was marijuana.net. But I could be wrong. It doesn't it does not come up very highly on the Google uh, organic search results, which is why I thought he bought it. And if you go there, it can get it gives you like a dispensary map, um, you know, and the laws in each of the states. But it's also a little, it's a little hokey, you know. Yeah. It's it's like weed humor and me- weed memes and stuff I like really that. I really hate it's weed uh, humor. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's uh, I, like every pothead I know, like you get a Facebook, they're always reposting all those stupid weed, eh, eh, weed jokes, which, you know, are all seem to be funneled through Tommy Chong's Facebook page, you know, which really are not that funny.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> There's a girl I went to law school with, you know, she's she's about. I think she's about my age. Like her birthday is in December, but she was born '76, so she was one of the rare people that actually was my age in law school. And she is from DC originally, and she was living here, but then she moved back there because she got some other job. But while she was there, you know, DC, you know, they passed the medical marijuana rules, and now she opened up a different business. I I don't know what her whether she's still doing any type of legal work, but she's definitely doing a business called lucy's Lo- lozenges you know and it's sells marijuana edibles you know
0: yeah yeah i mean people are trying to figure out how they're going to cash into it if it ever goes if it ever goes national yeah um which and i, and she I came
1: and followed me on all these things and i was like and like uh, when it first happened, like fo- tried to follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and I was like, and, I, and the con at the time it was like who the common friend was. So I was like texting, I'm like Marissa, you know who this is? She's like, yeah, this is my business, blah blah blah. I originally had some other name, but but yeah, it's it dispenses stupid weed humor constantly, you know.
0: <laughs> it's kind of the lowest common denominator in in humor. Yeah,
1: like that you know feeling how? when you smell weed, you know, it's a clip of like the rock, you know. I saw one of those today. Right. It was like rock, I guess it might have been from him wrestling or something, or he's raising the eyebrows and looking around. I think that might have been what it is, but I don't know, because it's the same, it's almost the same thing as friggin' most of
0: his movie roles, the so rock
1: raising the eyebrow, looking around. You know, so. Right, right.
0: <laughs> uh, and it's such a de- <laughs> it's such a divisive issue that That should be a non-issue, right? Yeah, and people people want to take stances on it, and people treat it like it's already legal for recreational use in all parts of the country, or they treat it as if it still should be, you know, uh, the highest classification of narcotic. Nobody, there's like very few people that are in between, right? And. There's an issue in 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 the condo that I was telling you about the the guy uh, who is the shit star. Yeah. 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 And one of the things that he is um, hot to trot on is the smell of marijuana in the building, and he wants he wants a hard and fast rule and a hard and fast action on. People who use marijuana in the building. Now, first of all, if you're in your own apartment, there's very little you can do. The Ezra Park Police Department is not going to come and start smashing and grabbing over in swimmers. private residences for re- for recreational pots. Yeah. Right? So, like, what are you going to do, right? You can send a memo around and tell people... Listen, it's, you know, it's interrupting others' enjoyment of the property. Uh, if, you, if you're if you going to smoke, light a candle or I'll say this much because
1: I don't want to really sympathize with that guy because he sounds like a dick. And I don't care if people smoke pot, but my problem is like, just like I don't care if people smoke cigarettes, but the obnoxiousness with some of these people, you know? Which is if it was that level that people were like having like, you know, bong blowout fiestas, and not giving a fuck that's stinking up the whole hallway, that would kinda of piss me off, you know?
0: Sure. But I would fall on the same I would fall on the same uh stance if it was curry. Yeah. Uh, like right? anything. Yes. Yes. Anything that that you're not taking into consider fish. Yeah. If you're not taking into consideration other people's enjoyments, but that's just kind of the way I am. Yeah, you know. I mean, that's, that's my take on
1: because I don't care if you smoke marijuana, but I do hate that obnoxiousness. You know, that's that's the side I, the problem I have with everything. You know, it's like so fine, go smoke your marijuana, but do you have to fucking be such a <laughs>
0: dick about it? <laughs> um, so this guy is, is he's a he's a hardliner. He sends an email <laughs> around to the, uh, to the yeah, he's a dick. To the, to the board and the, and the, um, property management people. And he said, just, just for the record, this is the guy. Yeah. I know just for the, record, the guy, record. guy. Yeah. yeah. Just for the record. I want it to be known that I walked into the apartment building today and the vestibule reeked of uh, reeked with the smell of mediocre marijuana <laughs> <laughs>
1: And for what it's worth, he's probably
0: overstating it. Probably any smell is the reek to him. It is. Because I was in the building yesterday, and the vestibule smells of uh, cheap hooker perfume. <laughs> That's what it smells like to me. Yeah. Doesn't smell like marijuana. And, uh, you know, is it somebody covering it up? I don't know. But I don't want to smell any smell. I want to come in and smell hallway smell. Yes,
1: yes, just like a clean
0: clean smell, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But at the same token, uh, it is it's Asbury Park. It's a block and a half from the beach. And the majority of the people who are renting don't forget, it's it's a condo building, but it's primarily rental properties. Uh, there's a lot of uh, the rent is super reasonable for around here. So, a lot of the people are either Section 8, government assisted housing, or they're young, or they're service industry people, or crazy alcoholics. All the above. <laughs> or homie, right? <laughs> yes. So, you know, those demographics probably skew towards the use of recreational marijuana a little more than you know other demographics whether in asbury or not you know so you got to have some tolerance you got to understand you got to understand who the audience yeah is. who your community is yeah right there's got to be some level of adjustment there yeah got to be some level of adjustment there so um i don't know uh i don't know how we got there but i am um you're talking about Kurt's business is plans. Yeah. Oh. So they. Uh, so when they came back from Carousel, he got into into the music business and decided that he was going to front the launch of oh, one yeah. of their buddies' bands. Yes. 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 What is it? Slot. Slot machine. Slot machine. Slot machine. Yep. And of the all the guys that I've met through those guys. The, the Their one connection, they went to high school with one of the band members.
1: And how old were um, they when they came back?
0: So they were in their 30s. Yeah,
1: they were all... Yeah, all right, that's what I thought. I thought that,
0: they were in their 30s, and they attempted to launch this band who had been playing together for a couple of years, but they were they're adults with families. Yeah. Right? Brian, the guy who they went to high school with... Um, Got married, like, at 22. His girlfriend at a college was from Australia. So um, he went abroad, met her. She came back to the States, and then her visa was up, and they decided to get married. They've been married since they were in their early 20s. So he had... like It was non-traditional. It wasn't like they were white picket fence and having kids. But he was married. Yeah. He had, had responsibilities. Um, and a couple of the other guys were married. And they went to launch this record career or this 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 musical career and at that point they had not toured you know they didn't build up a local following guys that they went to high school with like reardon and kurt and you know all the guys who were closely associated with them would go out and see them play gigs but like they didn't even play a lot of gigs kurt financed studio time and they went in and cut albums and tried to you know do demos and and do it like, almost like session band style. Well, I was
1: going to say it'd be alright if you were like one of those just studio bands that turned out one-hit wonders. Like, you know, like uh, Beach First Class, Beach Baby. The same guy was like on all these like one-hit wonders. Edison Lighthouse, Love Goes. right? Like they, The bands never really existed, but it was just like a hit maker. And they'd make up these session bands and... You know, it, sometimes they'd have the same dudes and they'd give it a name and then they'd release a pop hit and it'd go up the charts. You know, it was just yeah. revolving yeah. crap. But, like, that's basically the only way that works. You know, not too many people right. become successful acts overall by being long-term, sustained, successful acts just by recording albums in a studio that aren't the Beatles.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but even the Beatles toured before they got to the point where they're like, man, we're doing shit that's way too complicated the tour anymore, you know?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and those, there's a reason that happens, is because those bands that are just kind of put together by the studios or that are, you know, kind of hanging around, uh, they've got the backing of the studio yeah. the backing of the industry and the studio says hey we need a hit let's put these guys together and 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 let's publish something it's very hard to break in without a following yep because it at least with a following you've got a built-in audience that's gonna buy some of the records yep. right that's what that's the bob Seeger story basically Right, Bob
1: Seger was very successful, a hardcore following for years, like where he was packing in thousands of people at shows before he ever got an actual hit.
0: You know? Yeah, totally. I mean, totally, and that's what—that's the lifeblood of that. And that's a way shit. to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows the true? The true e-Hollywood story behind the, you know, the break almost coming. But according to some third party accounts, well, they had gotten some, some interest from a couple studios and, and we're on the brink of, uh, of launching. And finally, you know, they're like, Hey, at this point, guys we're like 35. It's time to, you know, it's time to move on. And, and they never launched, but it was, you know, it, it, it's really hard. One, it's really hard to break into the music biz, and and if you don't do it before you're, before you're thirty, it's almost impossible, right? I'm looking yeah. at uh, Dwayne Allman, so he died when he was twenty four, yep, and he almost twenty five. He was almost twenty five, so you figure he had uh, you know that extra year of whatever his you know however long his professional career spanned, but. Here's his associated acts. In 20, he was 24 years old. Probably had, let's see, um, 57. The boys returned. He was a session musician in 68. All right, oh, 61. So he was active in 61. Um, so what's that make him? 15? Wait, what's that? If, his, if he was born in 46 and he was active in 61... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was 15. So, yeah, okay. So they started playing publicly when they were teenagers. Yeah, well, they were, uh, ta- they look- were,
1: they were showing about that on there, too. Because I think Dwayne was older than Greg, right? Yes. Yeah, but Greg was like Dwayne's mentor for music. It was something... You know they were talking about. You know they were very young. Yeah.
0: So then they, in '65, they they started their own band, the Almond Joys. So '65, he's, he's 19 years old. In the '65, in the six short years that he was part of the Southern Rock scene, this is this is who he's associated with and who he worked with: Wilson Pickett. Uh, Derek and the Dominoes, Aretha Franklin, Herbie Mann, uh Boss Skaggs, Eric Clapton, Delaney and Bonnie. I mean, like he must have been playing non stop.
1: Yeah. Well the almonds during his basically during his years. You know, I mean, they are the roots of Southern Rock, you know?
0: Well, yeah, without like a doubt. you
1: take like Leonard Skinner and charlie daniels and any of those 38 special all that shit they owe it all marshall tucker you know they they're not well i mean maybe they're possible but they're not anything without the almonds first you know right right
0: and you know what to be honest that's not a subgenre of of rock that i'm that i'm tuning to yeah Right, right away. Like, of course, of course, I love the almond, right? But the majority of my exposure to the Almond Brothers band is, you know, Almond Brothers Greatest Hits.
1: Yeah, of course, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, everybody, everybody's got that album, so you know the hits, and and they're great, and I love Jessica, and you know, Sweet Melissa, and Whipping Post, and you know. I can sit and listen to the whole album, but very seldom am I working in the yard. Do I reach for an Alban brothers song or an album brothers album to kind of be the soundtrack of whatever it is that I'm doing. Right. Yeah. I
1: saw about 10 years ago at jazz fest and that was cool. But the other side of it with me is they're a jam band, you know, like, okay. and, I mean, I know you're a fish fan. I'm okay with fish, but, you know, I like songs that actually end
0: eventually, though. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's funny that you say that. A couple years ago, a bunch of years ago, probably 15, 15 years ago, my mom was buying my dad tickets for his birthday, and she was going to take him to go see a show. And she asked me, what do I think he'd like to go see more? The uh Owen Brothers or Paul Simon. Now, growing up, my dad played the guitar and, and I don't know if we've we've ever talked about it, but like music was was a huge part of family activity growing up. Uh bath time as a little kid was my dad's domain. Okay. All right, he'd work he'd work all day. And he'd come home. and in order to make sure he got time with each of us one on one time, he would he was in charge of of getting us bathed, brushing our teeth, getting us ready for bed. and then he cycled through, you know, the four of us. but by the time there were four of us, I was old enough to wash myself. But yeah, yeah. you know, his responsibility was was to get us ready. And song time was in that. Right. Yeah. And he sang a lot of Paul Simon to us, and he sang, you know, um, you know, a lot of 70s, you know, like classic 70s staples. And I said, Mom, you got to go. He's got to go see Paul Simon. He'd love, you know, he'd love yeah. Paul Simon. Because not only did I associate Paul Simon, with my dad. Plus, as a younger man, he looked like Paul Simon. Yeah, you know, he yeah. had that 70s Yeah, you told The 70s that. I stash.
1: I think you showed me a picture.
0: Right? I'm not lying. Yeah. He, he resembles, you know, he's a short. He even short had a little hat, long. didn't he? Yeah, he's got the same hat, yeah. the whole deal. And in my mind, the Almonds were where college kids went to get stoned and drink beer in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. Right, because yeah. the Almonds would go on tour, and they'd go to the art center, or they'd go to the you know the pavilion yeah. amphitheater in, college, in your local thought town. thought they were
1: keeping it real,
0: exactly. So uh, I'm like, well, of course it's Paul Simon, and he went. And I guess during the conversation, during during the the evening, my mom had brought up during the conversation that it was either this or or the Almond Brothers, and and I come to find out that he would have rather seen the Almond Brothers. Hmm. And it was a little disappointed. So, oh man, I was bummed. You know, not only did I steer my mom wrong, um, you know, I it totally broke what my perception of an Almond Brothers fan was.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Right. It wasn't some random college kid keeping it real. It was, it was a guy who grew up with this, you know, music in the late '60s and early '70s. Yeah, because
1: so, they're like his age.
0: So a bunch of years, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, my dad was my dad was actually born in uh, he was born in forty seven. So they're they're almost exactly the same age.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So a couple years ago, uh, I was still working in the city, but I was I was really struggling with it, and you know, I was just kind of having a crisis. You know, crisis of faith, crisis of. Uh, you know, per- interpersonal crisis was like a real bad time. And somehow I got, oh, I know my, my mom had finally bought him Almond Brothers tickets okay. to make good on the, on the Allman Brothers uh, that she missed out on a few years before, but she couldn't make it. So it was in, it was in the city at the beacon, which Allman Brothers fans will know they do, this residency at the beacon every year it's like 12 shows in 12 days leading up to st patty's day and that's kind of like what what they had been doing for the last 10 years or so so i went and it ended up being one of the best one of the best nights so so at this point i'm kind of losing all my preconceived notions of you know of my dad is a dad, right? Because I'm getting older, and I'm seeing things from a different perspective. And we're walking through the city, and he tells me how he hated the city. Your dad worked hates in the, the city. city? Yeah, he worked in the city for, for a while, and he's like, man, did I hate the city? He's like, I regretted every minute of it working here. It was the worst experience of my life. My dad meanwhile,
1: bad things about New York City because he actually spent like, I don't know how many months it was, but when he worked for AT&T, there was a strike, and they sent a bunch of them up to New York City in the 60s, and he worked there, and he was living, like, in a hotel or whatever, and he just talks bad about New York, and he's, he's always like, you know what it's like when you get a bunch of rats in a box together and they start
0: eating each other? <laughs> yeah, so essentially that was my dad's vibe as well, and he said he hated the commute. <laughs> and he hated being away from from family, and he hated being you know tied up for four or five hours a day, just getting back and forth in the yeah, city. Yeah, and these were all things that's really that suck. I was. These were all things that I was going through, yeah. but in my mind, I was like, "Well, my dad did it, so suck it up, pussy." You know, didn't realize how much you he know? hated on it. Right. So so that was nice, and we connected on that. We go see the Almond Brothers, and. We have great seats, and it was an unbelievable concert. It was it was great. At this point, they probably had changed up their live show a little bit because um, the guys were getting a little older, so they you know they couldn't just keep trudging forward with you know thirty minute mountain jam songs. Yeah, uh, they added they added some Miami horns, uh, and they added like a stage show to the performance, and it was great it was it was awesome it it was one of the best shows that I had seen and I was really glad not only that I got to see it because it's one of those things you know now Greg Allman's dead there there's never gonna be another Allman Brothers yeah
1: concert, I mean I'm happy I saw them you know like now that I think like, cause I was never gonna be so crazy that I was rushing to the concerts and they played New Orleans a lot it was like a New Orleans was a regular feature in the Allman Brothers history because it's, you know, a big southern city, you know? They were, you know, they played Jazz Fest a lot too, but they used to just play here regularly. Like, there used to be this club, it didn't even last really that long, but it was an old warehouse, you know, it's been torn down now, but it's a famous music club that was in New Orleans, and Almonds Allman's, basically, you know, they were like the resident band there. They'd come and play, like probably like you're talking about like at the Beacon. They used to sit there. They'd come in, to the warehouse and play nights and nights in a row, you know? Because it was just they loved being in New Orleans anyway. But uh, but like you're saying, like you weren't dying to go see him. But like once you do, you know, now you can reflect on it. And it's like, man, well, that's cool. At least I saw him.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I feel and, like and Johnny told-
1: Winter, you know? I, I think I told you about that a few years ago. I was going to. Bruce Springsteen was playing at Jazz Fest, and I, uh, you know, I was at the stage where he was, uh, because the first act that day, the second act, like with not too many people out there, was Alan Toussaint, you know, which, who oddly enough, ended up dying not long after that, you know, and I was psyched that I sat there, even though I'd seen him play before one time out there, but I was like. I'm psyched like to actually sit there, pay attention, listen to him, do all that. You know, Jimmy Buffett came out there and played a song with him later on. But before that, later on that day, because to get back out there, I was like, fuck this. I'm not going to be sitting a mile away from the stadium, from the stage to watch a video of Bruce Springsteen perform, you know, cause you can't see him at that point. Um, so I went into the blues tent and there was a, a blues band from Mississippi playing in there. And then, and then Johnny Winter came out, and he friggin tore the place up because uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to see how watch Johnny Winter. And then he was dead months later, and I was like, well, thank God I saw that dude because he's a fucking legend, and there's no – they ain't remaking Johnny Winter, you know?
0: Right, yeah.
1: yeah. So it's not like seeing some just like shitty pop star, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like thank God I saw Rick Astley. You know, it's not that. It's like <laughs> you see the almonds, you see Johnny Winter, you see somebody who's like, uh, you know, unique. You know,
0: <laughs> Jeremy is a big uh, Almond Brothers fan. He would go uh, every year. I don't know how many years it was. Yeah. Um, maybe two, two or three years. The Peach Festival,
1: down at, which down
0: was. It was up in uh, Pennsylvania.
1: Oh, okay, Pennsylvania. Okay.
0: And it was, um, you know, it was, it was your typical three-day music festival Would have with, like with like tons of lineups
1: to come and play to.
0: That that kind of deal exactly. So like let's see the, They're the
1: heir to the Almond Brothers because they're the modern Southern jam band, you know.
0: Right. So here's the lineup this year. That it's still going on regardless whether the, the almonds are involved or not. But it was uh, the festival
1: they founded, hence Peach Fest. It, or like they, they were f- the center piece act of it when it was founded or something.
0: So let me see here. It, they, I don't know if it was their festival. You know, I don't know if the band or the, or the, the right holders to, to their music, um, started it but they were definitely involved. Okay. They were they were definitely involved. Uh, I'm pretty sure they were on the first the first bill. But your widespread panic. They're they're headlining two nights. Uh my morning jacket, government mule, so that's Warren Hayes. Uh Joe Bonamassa, Umfreez McGee, which is a jam band. Uh Mike Gordon, Dark Star Orchestra. Um God Street Wine, Rusted Root.
1: Let me see. God Street find. Wine, man. That's such like a act I associate with being like a freshman and at Syracuse and walking in the down under leather and seeing like posters
0: <laughs> plastered up, you know? Greg Duranko um, Who was a bouncer at Fagan's. He played football at Syracuse. He was a grad student when I was like a sophomore. Um his dad was a NFL linebacker for the Denver Broncos, who okay. Pete Dorenko. He passed away of ALS a couple okay. years ago. And um, Greg was like he, the nicest guy. He was, you know, he was he was everything you'd expect from a, uh, from a Western Pennsylvania football player, right? Yeah. 6'4", jacked. He was a linebacker. Handsome. Like, the whole deal, but the nicest and the nicest guy. Had a super hot girlfriend who was also a grad student, and he hung out with guys like um Calavito. Okay. Were you were I'm familiar you with Privy Carl to Vito. those guys? Yeah. Calvito, uh Pete uh Pete Herbig. Yeah, yeah, I know Pete. Uh Pato, Hottenstein, like those yeah. guys. Pato. Those were those guys were kinda all on their way out as as we were. Yeah, 'cause when know, I when I was there the I knew
1: Peter Herbig was still working, or maybe he had come back to work there, or whatever, because he, he was, like, a local, wasn't he? I mean, I know Pato was a local, too, but he, I know he went to school there as well. But I only met Pato when yeah, he came back both to those visit, guys were... you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Herbig was uh, was local. He actually went to uh Lemoyne.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew he was a, a, yeah,
0: like a Syracuse, like an actual Syracusan. So, Dorenko is actually... Uh, he, I think he's a doctor. He was studying some type of uh, orthopedic medicine yeah. um, as a grad student because he had blown his knees out.
1: Sort of like as a Dan Conley,
0: player. man. Uh, real similar. And and I think he played. And Dan Conley was a really nice guy
1: for my memory because I remember hanging out with him a couple of times because he was buddies with like um, this guy Mike Dresner who worked at. I think he worked at 44s, but he was an SAE or whatever, but he was a dude who was recruited by Syracuse that, um, and he blew out his knee in high school, but friggin' Pascalone honored his scholarship, you know? Yeah. So he never actually played. Yeah. It's like basically a an assistant coach his whole career. And more I think that's assistant.
0: And that was super common back then. Yeah. You know, they, there were, there were tons of guys who ended up, uh, Having their scholarships honored, even though they ended up, you know, not yeah, having a career which is really at all. a
1: nice thing to do because, you know, when you only have eighty-five scholarships, especially at a private absolutely. school where you, where it's harder to get walk-ons because the tuition's so high. You know, like yeah. you don't have the benefit no, of like being a state
0: school where loads of dudes are going to walk on because the tuition's low. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, okay. Duranko turned us on to. Uh, God Street Wine and Rusted Root and that whole yeah I saw Rusted Root the landmark my freshman year. You know that was kind of like light yeah, freshman that was like light jam
1: yeah now they're using like, you know, enterprise they, commercials right
0: right right uh you know they weren't as hardcore as you know as the Dead and then ultimately Fish in terms of their improvisation yeah um. But they, they were, were way were, more poppy. They skewed toward that audience. Masters is so it was like, it's what all the kids listened to during the year when they were driving around in, in their parents' Volvos and, you know, and, and not eating veggie kind burritos. Cause in the summer, then those same kids would drive around and tour with the dead or tour with fish. But you know during the year when you can't be stoned all the time uh, you had to listen to something that was a little more accessible and yeah. like God Street wine and and rusted root
1: Blues traveler
0: Blues traveler we're <laughs> right I'm a bush I'm a huge Blues Shower yeah. fan and that's exactly why because it was totally accessible to the mainstream yeah they
1: were on MTV and stuff
0: but other than the almonds, uh, big music anniversary this week was right. 70 years ago today, yeah. Sergeant Pepper told the band to play, yeah. um, 50th anniversary of Sergeant Pepper.
1: 25 years Only ago today. Band.
0: Sergeant Pepper was the first album that I had kind of showed interest in and gotten. And my mom gave it to me, a cassette tape, probably when I was like 11, Probably not quite 12 yet. So it was that 10 to 12 year range. And, you know, I listened to it and it was cool and I, and I liked it. But I remember talking to... I have a cousin who's my age. And, oh, you know what? I'll tell you exactly when this conversation happened. Because we were talking about the band Crowded House. Okay. Okay. And... They were oh 1985, goodness. so and I when about, I was a kid, I, was I used to get them mixed up with Madness because Madness sang the song "Our House." Oh, wait a minute, you're right. That's what I'm talking about.
1: Oh, well, you a- actually are getting confused. All right, when I was little, I used to get them confused because there was a band Crowd House, and then there was a the song "Our House" by Madness.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay, so it was so it was. Oh uh, right. So they released that in uh in 1982 so yeah so it's just about 10 so it, this is all in the same it's all in the same time frame and i yeah. w- we were in the we were hanging out in the summer my cousin would come over uh for a week every summer and, and kind of hang out with with my family and my uncle who was only he's like 11 years older than me so if i was 10 11, you know, he's in his early 20s and he's kind of watching us. We're in the pool and you know, we're playing little kid pool games or whatever. And he and my cousin are talking about about madness. Like, "Oh, you know, hey, do you listen to music?" What? You know, what what do you listen to?" And and my cousin was like, "Oh, our house madness. I got the new madness uh uh tape. You know, you didn't have CDs yet." Yeah, tape, yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, and my uncle was like, well, Matt, what do you listen to? And I was like, Sergeant Pepper. And I felt like a square, you know, even at 10.
1: Yeah, because you're naming felt like, some old shit, and he's naming the current.
0: Yes. Like current hip the ex- music. Right. That's, like, just out. But nowadays, like, if I had a conversation with a little 10-year-old kid, and he was like, "Yeah, Sergeant Pepper. That's my favorite." If I had a conversation with Cole, and he started pulling out his Beatles CDs, I'd be super impressed, you know? Yeah, because that shows an appreciation. You know, that shows an appreciation for music, and uh, it's—I mean, it's held up. Yeah, it, it, I right? mean, it's one of it,
1: you know, what people argue the greatest album of all time
0: yeah you know? and i had this conversation with soap uh one time how i'm not a fan of early beatles stuff you know the the fresh invasion the pop stuff. shaker. Yeah. yeah totally totally it wasn't until they started to conceptualize full albums yeah that i that 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 I think that they had turned the corner, right? With like the
1: White Abby um, and Abby. It was Ritter, so innovative. Stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, the, the, the guys that are the artists and comedians that I find the most valuable or the guys who who are avant garde, you know, who are turning the corner, turning the page on 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 their art form. You know, doing doing what nobody else has done before, and you know they came across and they and they did that. Yeah. So much so that they influenced bands like the Beach Boys. Right. They sent the Beach Boys in a totally totally different direction, and they came out with, you know, Brian Wilson locked himself in a room. And, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, if you look, li- if you listen to what Brian Wilson would say, I guess take is. They were being allowed to do the shit he really wanted to do, you know?
0: Yeah, right.
1: Because yeah. obviously, right. you know, they were a tightly controlled band turning out pop hits because it was profitable, you know? And it wasn't like what he wanted to do, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Pet yep. Sounds, which is also – this is also the 50th anniversary of Pet Sounds. That was a couple of weeks ago.
0: And that was an album I didn't find until a few years ago. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I want to say 10 years ago there, I got a book, um, I think it was called Kill Your Idols. And I don't know if it's a series, um, or if it's one book where they talk about, um, the, the book that I read, they talk about these, these groundbreaking, uh, these groundbreaking albums. And rock writers go back and review the albums that they had reviewed 50 years ago. It's called Kill Your Idols, A New Generation of Rock Writers, Reconsider the Classic. So that's what it is. It's new rock writers going back and looking at the reviews of classic albums. Basically like
1: revisionist history.
0: Yes, and do they hold up? Yeah, yeah. Right? And Pet Sounds... Was was one of the albums So what I did Is I went out And I got a bunch of these These albums That were featured in this book And listened to them And Pet Sounds was one of them And uh, t- Unbelievable Yeah You know what's I funny would... He was he's, he's on tour with that right
1: now Pet Sounds tour Brian Wilson Like he's playing the whole album In concert He was here a couple of months ago And To buy the tickets Like was ridiculous, and I was sitting there watching the whole night, like before, because I knew there were, I knew there were so many on StubHub, and they were still being sold through like Ticketmaster that I knew they were going to drop, you know, and yeah. I mean it was only like in a three thousand seat theater, so even if
0: you got bad seats, there were good seats, you know, but I mean the market for that is so is so limited. Yeah,
1: and I mean plus it was just Brian Wilson, not you know. Like, I think you probably would have sold out a lot quicker if it was, like, Brian
0: Wilson with the Beach Boys, you know? Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, Brian Wilson. Which, I, do they Do they even, does he even tour? Because I know, he, like, he, Al
1: Jardine. Yeah, a couple of years ago, you know, I guess it must have been, it was, like, a 50th anniversary tour of the Beach Boys themselves or something, it was some type of anniversary, but they, they actually came to Jazz Fest. I didn't see it, but he actually – I think he actually played with them at it. And, you know, and, and they were touring that year in particular, and I think he might have actually been playing with them, you know? Okay. But this thing, right. he's he was gone on his own, you know, like it was Brian Wilson basically, you know, backing musicians, you know? But somebody ended up giving me tickets to the basketball game – I went with my brother, and I was like, "Well, fuck it, you know." Yeah, it's like I'll take free tickets to the basketball game. It wasn't Fat Pat tickets. There's another friend of mine, and I was like, "That's easier than sitting around here waiting to see how low these things are going to drop before uh, 7:30 at night."
0: You know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. They're on sale. There's still tickets available at the Count Basie Theater. He comes in September. Uh, 79 bucks yeah. to sit in the back of the balcony. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's what they all were like. It was like, like it, it blew me away the range of the tickets, especially considered. I can't believe like with the exception of a few places, I have a hard time believing they're just flying off, you know, selling out right away. I mean, you're talking about up near you, which is a, you know, I'd call it more of a major market. In terms of the fact that people are going to come from all over a wider area to go there, and it's probably more of a natural market for them than New Orleans, you know, and yeah. and that's three months away, and they're still selling for full price on, like, not even at the reseller, you know, like through the actual venue itself.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and you know what? To be honest, you can probably. I don't know. It'll probably be below face value on the uh on the secondary market. Yeah. As we get closer Yeah, exactly,
1: and that's what I was watching. Like I remember right before, you know, it was probably an hour before Showtime, and the the cheapest ticket at that point was like eighteen dollars. You know, I was like, oh, it's gonna keep going down. You know, <laughs> you'll be able to get yeah. it by ten ten bucks by the time this is over because all those people that run those tickets and stuff, but what what incentive do you get out of it to just hold at your price <laughs> and not sell the ticket, you know?
0: Right, right.
1: Because so, uh, there was still like, I remember at the time there were still many tickets left, you know?
0: So I'm sure it'll be like that, you know? Um, I'll Keep an eye on that because that, that would be something. But when is he know, coming I- there? Uh, Mid-September. Because remember, September.
1: September 23rd.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's September 26th. So I'm not going to see him.
1: Yeah, unless you come thirds a Saturday, right? Unless you do most of your
0: trip four. before.
1: Because that would be a Tuesday, right? If you went back on a Monday. Or even if you went back on a Tuesday morning.
0: Yeah, I'll have to figure that out. Yeah, we, I was hoping You know, to... it's
1: funny. Good thing that came up, because earlier tonight I was thinking, I was like, we got to bring that up, because I remember when it was like six months away, and it's was like, it's only six months away, now it's like three months away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me, Uh, I got to get on that, because I have a few extra bucks that I put aside uh, for a plane ticket. Okay. Um, And it's on my radar, and it's not during... It's not during a walk.
1: Yeah, which is good.
0: Um, What's New Orleans code? MSY. What's that stand for?
1: It was Moisant Airfield was the original name, you know? Ah, gotcha. Moisant was a flying pioneer guy. I think he died in a plane crash or some shit like that back in the day. But now it's Armstrong International so, Airport. But when they came out with the codes, you know, they got MSY, and they're not going to change the code just
0: because they changed the name of the airport. Now, you know, right? <laughs> um. So if I came, so I'd fly off, you know, i come in on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and leave on a Monday or a Tuesday, right? Yeah, Because you, so. you can
1: do that whole plus one, plus minus one day to see what's favorable towards you with. It. Airfare.
0: Yeah, so one adult, no preference. Where you fly out of Newark? Yeah, I'd like to fly out of Newark. Yeah, you can get a direct flight from here in Newark. Uh, let's see here. Oh, these are not coming up friendly.
1: You know why? Because it's still so early. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things if you wait till it gets closer, you'll probably be better off. Oh, 292 Oh, that's not bad I think that's about what I probably paid to to fly up to Newark a few years ago I think I paid 236 now that I think of it but it's but I bet you that'll even come down more
0: yeah all right so that's good oh there's a bunch of American Airlines yeah yeah I mean Newark's What's a big like
1: hub yeah you know? so there's gonna be lots yeah, of direct flights there
0: all right so we can we can get that done
1: yeah just put it on your calendar that. or something.
0: Yeah, nonstop's only a couple bucks more, so.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing about well, a place like Newark, because that's the type of place where you go somewhere else that they book you through. You know, like when I go to Boston, you know, unless I'm flying the one rare flight that flies directly from New Orleans to Boston or whatever. It's always through,
0: like, Newark or some shit, you know. And uh, a three-hour flight, that's not bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, is Let's it see. really a three-hour flight? Yeah, it should be a three-hour flight. Three hour, three, yeah. three, hour, yeah, three yeah. hour, nine three minutes. Hours,
0: yeah. yeah. You get in in two hours. Yeah, because you're because, because you you're coming backwards. There, yeah. Whereas when you
1: go uh, back, you'll lose an hour.
0: Yeah. So what I'd do is I'd come in on uh you know maybe like on a Wednesday after you get out of work.
1: Yeah, I, mean, right? I can come or late, whatever. I can late come. in the day. I Wednesday. just may, I just gotta make sure to block that out on my calendar tomorrow. I don't make a note not to um. Fucking schedule or anything, yeah, because you know with legal shit when stuff schedules so far ahead, you're like, yeah, sure, that's fine, that's in four fucking months. You
0: know? Right, right.
1: Because <laughs> I'm not a great then, planner f- like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then four months is here, and you got like, you got four dates on your calendar. You know, it's like, oh
1: fuck! Today I thought about that because I got an email. They're doing this. uh it's the first annual biennial uh bar and. Bench and bar conference at the federal court downtown, you know, and it was and it's free and it's freaking free CLE hours, and it, you know, and and I signed up for a few months ago because I was like, right when when I was like, well, I gotta hop on that because that's gonna be a hotly contested one, you know, because it's a free CLE at the federal court that gets you like seven hours. You're gonna be hobnobbing with the judges and shit today. At the time I booked, I didn't think anything of it. And today the email came in and said, oh, your application's been approved. You have a seat waiting for you. And it said September 28th. I was like, oh, shit, September 28th. When's that? Let me look. Let Because I knew the football game was around that time, you know. I was like, oh, all right, no one's going to be here for September 28th. They're going to leave before that, you know. They'll right. come the week before, not the not not come for the football game and stay the next week.
0: Yeah. I, gotta I don't see, need to hear that, that thing which I, <laughs> I don't
1: need to hear you know that what? long <laughs> <laughs> the price is gonna drop anyway like within two months you know as you get when you up until you get like the two weeks out I think it'll drop yeah I mean because right um, now nobody's bought these flights so they're all at these ridiculous prices
0: right I have uh yeah the 16th and I'm off the next two weekends so that's all right that's good. But yeah, I would come down. I'd come down on one of those off days and stay. Um, you know, even if you have to go to work and stuff. That's, I can...
1: I'll take time. I mean, whatever. We'll see. I mean, I, if I got stuff to do, I'll go to the office for a little bit, but I'm not going to kill myself, you know? When you're in your 40s, you know, I get to the point where it's like, I can... Fuck it. Like this year when I finally took off to go to Jazz Fest, so I was like... I fucking earned at this point in my life that I can say fuck it to a work day to go to a friggin' festival. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today so that was similar. I you know, I was on the road at six thirty doing all kinds of shit and then uh you know, I got home at three and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm just I'm done. You know, yeah. I'm not very good at that. So I'm looking to do um, something
1: for my birthday. You know, that's what I'm thinking about. I got to go somewhere. I'm having a yearning. July twenty seventh, August second. You go for a week to New York City for two fifty four. <laughs> I'm looking at Google Flights. They give you the hot prices for the for the most popular destinations. Go to Vegas. The tenth uh, through the eighteenth for one eighty nine. But you know, it's true. I have absolutely no interest in Las Vegas.
0: Especially in July, by yourself. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I have no interest in it with a group of people, you know, because I really hate for, uh, fucking bachelor parties anyway, and that's what I imagine if I was with a group of people, it'd be like, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I just have, like, basically zero. I wouldn't want to go on July 10th through 17th. I'm looking at all these dates, you know, um, because the reality is, Freaking Planet of the Apes movie comes out on July 14th. I kind of want to make that one, that one off the parts
0: of my birthday celebrations. (laughs) That's your big that's that's your big July plans with Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I've got uh, my plan is to take off the month of July. I got to work a camp. Uh, Let's see when is that? The 24th, the last week, which sucks because that's the weekend. We've had this conversation. I want to go. I bought the tickets to see Bell and Sebastian. Okay. Prematurely, Um, and I bought the four tickets. (laughs) Even though I've got nobody to go with, but that same weekend is 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 the Poconos thing that we're trying to plan. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, these tickets. Christ, these tickets are down to forty nine bucks a piece. Oh Lord. For that show. And how much did
1: you pay for them?
0: If I get if I get seventy after fees, I get my money back. I forget exactly how much I paid. Uh, probably probably fifty something is the That was my most grateful I,
1: thing about my experience with Stub was at least I made my money back.
0: <laughs> yeah, and listen, sometimes
1: that's the yeah. proposition. And I made like five dollars extra on top of it. But it's like at least I made the money back. I didn't feel like a total sucker at that point, you know.
0: Yeah, totally. Yep. So, I mean, there's a ton of tickets. I'm just gonna end up eating these, and maybe I'll try to unload them for like 25 bucks today. Yep. Just get a couple couple bucks back. So, anyway, all right. That's uh, that's the end of that. We're just droning yep. on. Uh Any anything else? Uh I'm
1: not sure, but. I don't know. BP would probably love to hear us drone on, I guess, huh?
0: <laughs> it's nice to be loved. Yeah, it's next nice time we get on, we're...
1: I got to talk about a good BP story, you know.
0: All right. Very good. We also need to hear how uh how your how your Uber uh, dispute ended up because I was going through yeah, some no old we're episodes. We never picked it I mean... up. The
1: next episode we never picked it up.
0: <laughs> we never picked it up. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Do you know how many times we tease something and we never come back to it? Yeah. Um, maybe we'll maybe I'll get tell you this too. much: I, I still haven't
1: taken Uber since. All
0: like, right. Last week All I right. went out
1: to the Greek Festival last Friday and I called a lift to take me out there. You know.
0: Very good, man. Hold strong. I am the same way with Walmart yeah.
1: now. And you know what? If If, uh, I don't know what the final decision of the credit card dispute is yet, but if it turns in my favor and they just cancel it, I will gladly use Uber again just for the, (laughs) (laughs) just for the convenience of it all, you know, but until it's in dispute, I'm not using them.
0: Right. Right. So, all right. All right, man. On that note, with apologies to Girk's brother. We will see you guys next
1: week. Buenas noches, Fredo.